Welcome to Color Me Happy Podcast. My name is Brandy Hofer. I'm your host. Thank you so much for being here. I sure do appreciate your time. Um, today we are talking about dropping stereotypes like they're hot <laughs> and diversifying income with uh, Jen Dwyer, a fellow artist and creative um, who is based in the States. Um, most of you already know that I have been a and am a stay-at-home parent slash studio artist for the past decade. <laughs> um, and I'm proud that I've done it for almost a decade because that is saying something. That is something to be proud of. I have had the privilege of aging and getting through that part of my life. And gosh, I'm still swimming in it so hard. But um, I'm no longer having new babies or pregnant. So I feel like I've gotten past this like milestone of um, coming out of the woods of sleepless nights at least, kind of. Unless everyone's sick, then you never sleep again. But last night I got nine freaking hours of sleep. I don't even know when that happened last. <laughs> so those nights are coming more and more often. And then I feel like a superhero <laughs> when... <laughs> when I get to sleep. Um, so, which in my book, I actually talk about sleeping being like your number one priority. Actually, I talk about it in a lot of my uh, classes and workbooks. And I always have a chapter about sleep um, because there's just nothing more important than having a routine. And anyways, this is not what I'm talking about today. Um, it is important, so think about it. And most of you know that but if you're just tuning in and you're, if you're just a new listener which our podcast has somehow doubled in the last two weeks which is cool I have no idea how though so I wish I could mimic that but I don't know how it happened so um, I'm really excited about it it means that I get to help more people and connect with more people and meet more incredible guests to have on the podcast um, so if you're just tuning in uh, and getting to know myself and my family we actually suffered from early on in this decade of parenthood um, we suffered some great losses and grief um, I lost my mother while I was six months pregnant with my first son, Gus. And then shortly after I had my second son, Finn, um, we lost my father-in-law as well, um, suddenly. My mom's wasn't sudden, but I mean, a year and a half is kind of sudden. But um, with my father-in-law, it was like totally unexpected. So my partner and husband and I went through, you know, the most beautiful thing in your life, which is becoming a new parent. And then also suffering through like intense grief and grief demands to be felt. It's not something you can ignore. And the great ex example, and I was telling my friend the other day who they're going through a sick parenting thing. And I said, you can't ignore grief. You have to feel everything. You have to be honest with yourself and you have to be honest with your kids. Um, Gus was only two and a half when he lost his, his papa and he didn't have the words to describe grief. He didn't know how to tell everyone that he was sad that he also lost his grandpa. He was there though and I actually, so Finn was three months and 
he didn't like the car traveling. So we didn't know what was going on. And I sent my partner and I said, you have to take Gus because he is just like a bright light and he's so beautiful and he's so caring and he will trust me, just take him. And it took a little convincing. And after that, he said, I'm so glad we took Gus because we were just sat around and been in shock and been so sad, but he brought joy to, to everyone in the room and it helped us get through it. Um, and shortly after Gus started, because like three is when they start talking and he started to stutter and I had immerse myself in these like grief books and um with children specifically and it said to acknowledge the grief and acknowledge everything and then all of a sudden six months later when he had the words and he had the emotions to describe how he felt he finally started telling me about how much he missed his papa and um oh it's just like my heart this little guy was going through everything that we were going through but he just couldn't tell us how or why and um so (laughs) this is so off topic (laughs) of today but um yeah so we went through these intense intense moments our family and I can say that unquestionably that what we learned and what we took away, and I call this a gift, a gift of those losses, is that we learn that time is our most precious commodity and it is not to be wasted. Um, we didn't choose those lessons, uh, but so few lessons in life are of our choosing. So we will take away those with those losses what what we can and try to live our lives um, in their memory, uh, to our fullest potential. We are tired and we are swimming in it and we fight and we yell and we, we do all the things we're not a perfect family. There is no such thing, but we are trying our hardest and there is something to be said for that. Um, shifting gears (laughs) to a more business mind. after I drop that on you. Um, The biggest way uh, I have grown in the past few years and why this is important and why I can talk about this flowing off of or going off of what I just talked about is, is money and money and growth and income in the things that you're doing and you love. Um, And why is that? It's because money equals freedom. Money equals freedom to pursuing your passions. Uh, Money equals, it's not a bad thing. It's a very positive thing. And it took me so long to figure that out, way too long. (laughs) And so that's why I want to share this with you today. Money means freedom to spending more time with the people you love and doing more of the things you love. And I want you to love... uh, how you're showing up every day and how you're making your money and supporting yourself. Um, I have found growth and in, in that and strength in that over the past few years. And I really want to share it with you. Um, and parts of those things and how I learned that, um, 
was dropping stereotypes uh, and many other things, of course, which I always talk about and I really talk about really a whole bunch in my book, which is coming out so, so soon. I'm getting the hard copy on Monday. So that means <laughs> I'll probably find mistakes because that's me. Um, so it might be a few weeks after that. <laughs> there will be mistakes in the hard copy. I don't know why I think there won't be because there will be. <laughs> anyway, um, so there's no uh, shame and there is strength to diversifying um, your art practice or your business or whatever you're doing. Um, and I actually came out of art school and uh, Jen and I really talk about this in this episode with a ridiculous stereotype that artists could only be taken seriously if they supported themselves by selling art. So what? how do you feel when I say, uh, and if you think this is sustainable, is you make one product and then you sell that product. And your income depends on you putting time into making that one thing. There is no business that really succeeds off of trading all your time for your income. Like everything takes a little bit of time, but like creating art takes a whole bunch of time. And in fact, one year I made over 130 originals and I didn't come out of it on top. I did like a little bit. It was my best year ever, but it it was less than if I had like gone to Taco Bell and worked full time. Like, seriously. So how is that acceptable? It's not. Um, so why why don't I deserve more? And why don't I deserve to get to the beach once a year with my family somewhere warm? That was one of my, like, very visual goals um, when you do that sort of, like, mindset meditation things that I was like, I would just love if in the middle of our terrible cold Canadian winter to get to a beach so I can float in an ocean and run on the sand every morning and have my kids just hanging out because when we go to a beach they literally like they just hang out for hours and hours and hours because I have three boys and they're full of ridiculous amounts of energy (laughs) disgusting amounts of energy Uh, And I'm so grateful that they're energetic and healthy uh, because it helps me get outside and and move my body more. And But like today they let me sleep in and I was wondering why. And sleeping in meant 7.30 a.m. So don't get, don't think my life is like all butterflies and rainbows because it's not. The only reason they let me sleep in till 7.30 was because they found the stash of Halloween candy and that was keeping them busy downstairs. <laughs> so, um, and then they were completely little psychos after that. Um, so I want to tell you how diversifying my practice uh, ex- helped me expand. Um, and by the way, this luggage of that I was dragging around of stereotypes held me back for over 12 years. <laughs> I was just making art and expecting it to, you know, uh, be my only source of income. And I stayed on this stubborn route of this mindset for 12 years. Uh, so I regret it kind of, but I can't because also in that time I was like in the throes of motherhood. So it worked for our family and it worked for what was happening in our lives. So 
the stereotype of diversifying and being a multifaceted creative, don't even think about having the audacity of becoming an educator if you want to be taken seriously in the art world. That was one of them. Like, ouch. I love teachers and I love educators and they are freaking saints, (laughs) let me tell you. Uh, the ones that do it full-time all the time, teaching maybe things they're not passionate about to have the payoff of teaching some things that they are passionate about. Um, So thank you, teachers. Um, So another one would be looking like a boob online or sharing what you think or being yourself in front of a camera. That's like not allowed if you're an artist. Um, Huge one for me and what I've faced like hugely and a throwback in the art world for years was for me to include my children in my art practice so all of my photos all of my like creation videos like my kids are in here because that was the season of my life it still is and they're like you're not an artist you're like a crafting mother and that's all you can be because that's all we have room for uh and so i have fought very hard um to create a community that is fighting against that and i found beautiful communities that are also um making their way through the art world in the most fierce way and i'm so inspired by them continually so where did i start with that it was joining Uh, female mastermind groups of other female creatives who are in the same season of life as me, uh, finding coaches, finding mentors, um, all, all sorts of things like that led me on the path of talking to you right now and how, um, you know, dropping that extra baggage and stereotypes that we lugged, I lugged around for far too long, um, and deciding to shake them off flip my mindset and my business on its rear end, which was really scary. (laughs) Um, But I wouldn't be talking to you here right now today if I hadn't have done that. Um, And in a short period of time, I think a year or I'm not good with timelines or numbers all the time, but a year or two years or something like that, After I flipped everything around and changed my mindset, my annual income increased by 394%, which I'm really proud of. And this next annual uh, year of income will be different. It will be even more um, after I did these things and I will share them with you. Uh, I share them with you in my diversifying income workbook that I have at brandyhofer.ca, but I also... Um, and I'll have the link in the notes for you too to get there. Uh, we're talking about it in the community this week. So if you haven't already, join our Color Me Happy community. It is free and we support each other and it's amazing and I love it and it's the best way to meet friends. <laughs> um, that's something I also avoided with starting community. I was like, that's going to be way too much work. Way too much work. I don't have time for that. And what does my community look like? Uh, who would even be a part of it? Like it took me a lot to overcome that people would want to connect with me in that way. And now I think we almost have 700 members and it's pretty freaking awesome. Um, another, I'm going to brag because this is so cool and I'm so proud that this, you know, me embracing 
embracing diversity and and being a multifaceted creator actually pushed me forward in the art world, oddly enough. So after I dropped that mindset and stereotype, that it actually t- brought me further in the way that where I wanted to go. Hilarious, not really. <laughs> so I recently traveled to New York and actually Jen, our guest, is represented by PXP Contemporary Gallery, whom I traveled to New York with and met there and we met other art queens. Um, and her sculptures were there and they're so amazing and they sold out instantly which I was not surprised about they're so cool and so that was one of the things I've recently gotten to do um I said the community I love it art academy I found an art academy at our local public school system so being an educator huge 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 um And that was one of the things I avoided because someone told me when I was a teenager, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. And they're like, teachers, no, you don't want to be a teacher. They don't make enough money. It's too exhausting, blah, 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 blah. And so I avoided it. And also the stereotype of art school, if you're an educator, you're not a serious artist. Um, So I want to talk about being an educator because... So the Art Academy I founded so I get to work with youth. I've also been volunteering with um, youth who have gone through trauma. So what I've found out and what I've learned from the women I work with uh, for volunteering and what I've learned from educating youth because I've never worked with them. This is my first time. So I I decided to get um, um, educated on being an educator or working with youth. I've educated before, however, um, not in the same way and not with this age group. I was very afraid of this age group because it is such a transitional and awkward time in everyone's life and it's harder. So I was like, I want to work with really young kids because that's what I've been doing at home and I get it. I get them and I can do this. And they're like, no, no, no. We want you to work with the teens because we think it's more important. I was like, I agree. It is more important, but it sounds like 10 times harder. (laughs) but I did it anyways. And it is so rewarding. And it is so cool to see those young people connect to their creativity. And then also have an outlet, have an outlet for healing um, their thoughts, their beliefs, their everything that they're going through, they can channel it into their creativity. And I'm allowing and showing them the way and giving them permission. And it, it has been the most rewarding thing I have probably ever done. Not only that, but um, also this same year. What didn't I do this year? That's probably easier to list than the things I did do this year. (laughs) Was starting online classes. And our biggest one was the portrait class. I have met so many incredible creatives from all walks of life and all uh, corners of the globe and they are amazing and special. And the reason I came up with this course was because I was burnt out from creating. And the thing is, is I was like, the stereotype held me back, right? I was like, I can, you have to, you have to, another thing coming out of art school was you can't share your process. Like this is your secret. You can't have anyone else doing the things that you're doing because they're your competition. Could not be further from the truth. And I am so sad that it held me back for so long because when I started sharing my process, it started 
helping others become more efficient because I became in that burnout season and creating, 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 I became very efficient in what I did, knowing my mediums, knowing my process, how to freaking create like a thousand (laughs) custom artworks in a short, short period of time. Um, and, And I was doing it because it's the only way I knew how to support my family. So now I have helped other creatives and our next class is to follow up with portrait class. It is, um, custom artwork and how it can um, help uh, be one of the things you do in your practice uh, because it did help me grow like an insane amount and I want to help others uh, know the efficient way that I did that while having a family, new babies and being a stay-at-home parent, how I fit that all in. But teaching them in like a very short period of time as opposed to the 10 years it took me to get there. Um, So that's what I'm working on. It's in editing. It will come out soon. Um, And then after that will be our mural course. So these are the things that I did to diversify my income and make sure that I wasn't so dependent on the one thing. And then including these systems that are passable and sustainable income sources. And this won't happen overnight, by the way. (laughs) But they can happen for you. Um, And I want it to happen for you in the way that you love it because my path will look very different from yours. And I can't say that I know everything because I don't. I'm still learning. I'm still learning all the time. But I can give you some helpful gems, <laughs> at least to fast forward you to the point where you want to see uh, see yourself and where you visualize and what your goals are. Um, this will help you move forward in the way. And wherever you're at and whatever you want to learn, um, there is online education for you to get there faster. And there are people and mentors and coaching to get you there faster. Um, because they've done it. So they can help you in one minute be unstuck instead of something you're sitting on for months or years. Um, For example, and this is actually in our free community, you can see all that I've talked about uh, right here today um, in our Color Me Happy community. The link is in the notes and we also have our workbook to work through. So the workbook is more in depth, what I will mention here, um, to you right now. So I want to, I want you to think about what are your strengths? For example, uh, are you a master conversationalist or a person who moves people, people with the written word? In this case, I would think you would be a podcaster or a blogger. And you can create content on your platforms using your strengths, right? Um, Another thing, what gets you out of bed in the morning and occupies your headspace for most of the day? This will be something you're totally obsessed with, (laughs) right? Um, And mine looks really different probably from you. Um, But I'm obsessed with anything that has to do with community, speaking Uh, to other creatives and connecting with them um, and writing about it. And of course, the mother of all things would be creating the art itself. I'm totally obsessed. And so I obviously will find other ways to support 
that passion. Um, I am annoyingly stubborn about demanding spaces of time in order to get to my in-home art studio. So I, first of all, it's in my home because I'm a stay-at-home parent and my windows of time, I can't leave my house for. So um, it's important for me in my practice to be able to sneak away for 15 minutes, maybe 10. Uh, That's how I wrote my book. So you need to think about the efficiency of your time and how you're using it. Demanding time from others in your life. So asking for help. I'm going to write that down. I didn't put that. Asking for help. Asking for help. So important. Asking for help, right? You have to ask for help. We cannot do it all and we shouldn't. We shouldn't. We are doing enough. And if you are a female woman uh, or identifying female, you know what I'm talking about. The to-do list is like never fucking ending. And it occupies our headspace. I want you to write it down and get it off your chest and find ways to get help. That's probably number one. (laughs) Actually, it should be number one, like in bold capital letters. Um, So... That was my one thing I freaking hate doing so much, so much is cleaning. I hate it so much. And it's the biggest fight in our home. Uh, and it always has been. I don't, if, if you don't fight over cleaning, you're not a human. <laughs> I could tell you who is doing what and when. Or you've got it figured out. Uh, tell me how you do it. <laughs> okay. Um, the first year of being with your partner is the hardest because you have to like divvy out who's doing what, right? You have to figure out your system for whose job is whose and where you're going to, uh, like partner up and, and, and work together. Right. So what did I do to help to find more time and energy, right? Energy is I hired cleaners once a week. And I fought for this. My partner was like, we can't afford that. I was like, I don't fucking care. I don't care. I can't keep up to all of you. You're disgusting. There's poop smeared on the window here. I and you pee everywhere. Everyone pees everywhere. And I'm not doing it. I I clean enough already. I clean the day to day, which is an insane amount. So when it comes to bathrooms, toilets, floors, and windows, and dusting, and all, I don't even want to talk about it because it's the worst. Um, so I hired cleaners once a week before I could afford it. I made a way to afford it. Um, and by freeing up that time and energy, I found a way to afford it. I diversified my income and created sustainable and passive income sources. So sometimes I wake up, or actually all the time now, um, I wake up and things have sold. It is cool. It is exciting. I, and it took me a long time to get here, almost just like yesterday, I was like just really working on saying aloud, I love money and it makes me feel good. And there's still shame in like parts of my body when I say that to you now, because it was like not something we were allowed to say or do, or money is not important. Money equals freedom, remember? Um, And it's all around us. So there's something to be said about that. 
Um, so are there ways that you can diversify your income? And I talk about, this is a whole chapter in my book, how jealousy is not a bad word. Jealousy is a way of telling you that, and we talk about it a lot in the podcast with Jeff. Uh, He's a fellow author, bestseller, actually featured on Forbes. Uh, We've talked about this a whole bunch. So tune into that episode. People, the feedback for that episode was amazing. What was it called anyway? Uh, Episodes. I have everything tabbed up because I'm I'm a multitasker extraordinaire. Uh, Jealousy... (laughs) This is hilarious. Jealousy is not a bad word, is the chef, the title of the podcast. So you will not have a hard time finding that one. It was a few episodes ago, four to be exact. Jealousy is not a, a bad word with best-selling and Forbes featured author Jeff Hilderman. Um, and to like pump up coaching and mentorship, Jeff showed me how um, Amazon worked and launching a book and all that stuff. He shortcutted me to knowing how that system worked. Um, and he was amazing. So tune into that podcast because it is a gem and jealousy isn't a bad word because, and I was jealous of Jeff and we talked about that in that episode. I was super jealous of him writing a book. And at that time I was a full-time artist and mother only what I considered myself, uh, with my limiting beliefs was <laughs> that. So why was I jealous of Jeff, who was an author? Clearly, uh, some of me wanted to write a book, but I had all these like big <sighs> things and roadblocks that were in the way because all my life I was told I couldn't write. Look at me now, right? So overcame those things. Yes. So are, is there something, and this is a telling thing, is there something that you see others doing that you could do? And it's a way to diversify your income. Are you jealous and capitalize on that? Like, where is that like tingling? What could you do with that? Like, say I said, maybe I said something today, like I made an online class and you're like, ah, Ugh, it annoyed you and you were like a bit jealous and you're like, why? Maybe you should get into online education or maybe you should start a podcast or maybe you should write a book or start a blog or um, talk about it more on social media or maybe you should start social media, etc. So build a following and an audience that starts with, this is big advice and who talks about it a lot is Jenna Kutcher. Uh, so much. She she always attributes everything and her biggest regret is that she didn't in all the years um, start an email list sooner. Um, so the reason I feared creating an email list and I also regret along with Jenna Kutcher is that I was so, I avoided it so hard because I was afraid of making mistakes in my writing. And that came from people my whole life telling me I wasn't a writer, I was terrible at it, didn't make sense. Um, and it took a long time to get practiced at it. And actually I realized that I was a narrator and a storyteller, um, in posting and posting and posting on social media. And I realized that everything I was doing was prepping me for what was to come. So then a few, like way, way too, oh, it was only like three years ago. I started an email newsletter. (laughs) So Yes, uh, and to come, overcome that uh, burden and luggage I was carrying around of that 
um, fear, right? Um, so I started it. I love it. Uh, our email list is weekend inspiration. It's only once a week and it has what we talk about on the podcast every week. Um, and it is inspiration to help you keep going. And, uh, what did I say? What did I say about my book? I said on the back cover, I said, Oprah and Reese haven't reviewed this yet. But here's what I can tell you. Life is hard and this will make you feel a little less alone. So that's what our email newsletter is for. It makes you feel a little less alone. We're all humans and I share my flaws. I'm not good at everything. I'm still learning every day and I love that you're here and I'm so grateful and this has been such a beautiful journey and I wouldn't have it any other way. Obviously, I did talk about some things that took far too long for me to learn, but I learned them in the end, okay? Um, So if you love this, you can grab our Diversifying Your Income Workbook. We dive deep in to this a lot more, ways you can as a creative to diversify your income. We talk about this in the community this week. We were talking about it specifically um, and tune into the rest of this podcast with another beautiful creative who I admire and she was so great and I really effed up. the. I thought we were interviewing a different gen and I prepped for a different gen, which is, they both were gen D's, so... Again, I'm human and I screw up and I screw up and I will admit it. So thanks for being here and enjoy this episode and we will chat soon, friends. That's all. So welcome, Jen. Uh, Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for coming. It's so nice to meet you. Um, And I have, I'm just going to be super honest. I have not prepped for this this (laughs) podcast at all because I confused my Gen D's. Um, <laughs> I, we can do another day too if this is like. No, 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 no. Okay. Um, it's fun because then I really don't know anything. Really, okay. awesome. I know some things. Um, I know that I've seen your work and it's incredible, mm-hmm. and um, that you showed with PXP or show with PXP. So, um, where are you based? <laughs> like, I know like basically nothing. Where are you based out of? Where are you from? Um, so I grew up in the Bay Area in California, um, and then I went to college in Seattle. And then after college, I was like, I want to be an artist. And my parents were like, LOL. Um, so I moved to, <laughs> <laughs> I was just having dinner with some artist friends last night. We were all telling our, how we ended up in New York stories. And um, after graduating from college, I did art and environmental science. And I kind of thought art would be a passion. And then I realized like, it, it's really just my calling. <laughs> um, and so, so way so, more fun than environmental <laughs> science. Definitely. <laughs> well, for some people, some people are into it, but yeah. More fun. Um, and so some friends were moving to Brooklyn just in that like post-college, like, what are we doing? And so I went to, and then I was there for a couple of years and just felt like it was hard. I mean, I'm sure so many artists in their twenties can relate. Like you have your studio and your apartment and you're trying to like cobble together a million different gigs and like have enough time in the studio. Um, so I just felt like I was spinning my wheels. And then after a few years in Brooklyn, I applied to grad school. Um, so I went to grad school. So sorry, long story short, I went to grad school in the Midwest 
And then after that, I did a fellowship in upstate New York at Wazaic Projects. Um, and that kind of serendipitously went from being a month long to like a year and a half long. And I was there during the pandemic. And I always thought after grad school, I would move back to Brooklyn where I felt like I had an artist community. Um, but since being at Wazaic Projects, I realized like how nice it is to kind of be close to a city, but not in a city and with sculpture. Um, I, I bought my first house, like I, I got this amazing deal and there's, I bought my first kiln and there's just all the space for storage. And um, so I am two hours northeast of New York City in Connecticut. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's one thing to say about like city living is great and all, but, um, and I did live in this city once when I went to school and, and New York is something else. Like, I don't, I, I know I could never, ever live there. Um, it's just like way too much noise all at once. <laughs> <laughs> it's way too stimulating. Um, and then I'm like here in the quiet Canadian prairies and it's like, it's quiet. Like you can't hear anything ever. <laughs> and I would never sleep in New York Peaceful. and I never <laughs> slept in the city either because like it was so loud. I just, uh, yeah, you know, you, yeah, you find somewhere. I, I find it, right? I do really kind of love this space I'm in right now in my life where I'll go to New York a couple times a month and get this like surge of stimulation and then come back yeah. to the country and just kind of like <laughs> go back into my little Great. bubble. <laughs> Balance. Yeah. And like for us, space is such a big deal. Like yeah. it's, you know, and you're not paying for an extra studio space or anything like that. Like literally you can, well, we built one into our home or you can like That's figure out a room space yeah, I'm and i'm turning the first i moved into this um old farmhouse built in the 1850s and it's like over 3,000 square feet and i'm turning the first floor into my studio slowly but surely okay no <laughs> are you posting about it on social media i should i should like you should i and there's nothing people love more than a good diy like restore before and after project like oh that's, that's comforting to hear i feel like i'm oh, so yeah and like half of it's a hot mess and half of it looks really amazing <laughs> so well, like, it will, like that's the this is what it looks like this is what it is turning into because i'm creative and amazing my friend's a big diyer and she lives 15 minutes from here and she's just like she's viral like insane like her videos get millions of views and she's just doing diy and she's doing a great job she's very funny um so not everyone can do what she's doing but like yeah people love to see real life moments and what you're doing and why you're doing it um i love your page though like your work is so beautiful um were you always were you um, more focused on the painting or like, did you start um, kind of, did you always do both of those mediums? Painting is very, very recent. Um, I got into ceramics like seriously in high school. I have a couple of different learning disabilities and I'm a highly sensitive person. So I felt like both like for my like sensitive nature, I was like, oh, like clay is so calming. Um, and then art was just kind of the first medium that just came really naturally to me. And I felt like I didn't need to, you know, work really hard for like mediocre grades. Um, and so I did ceramics in college and then grad school and different residencies and fellowships. But then 
three-ish years ago, I started painting when a huge sculpture blew up in the kiln. And I was like, I need a break from you. (laughs) It's such, clay is such risky business. (laughs) Um, And so it just, and it felt similar too, I think for a while, like, you know, five to 10 years ago when all the painters started getting into clay, I felt like I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) But now I think I really get it. And they're both very meditative mediums. Um, And I've started oil painting in the past like year and a half and it there's just like a similar feeling of kind of like losing track of time it it being pretty slow very process oriented Mm -hmm. yeah there's so much process um so do you think that like that must have been so important to you as a young person to find that connection i recently um started an art academy through our public system so i get to work with that like age group of like you know, it's such an awkward stage. <laughs> it truly is. And um, and so this is a first of its kind for programming. So I'm really excited about it. And it's something I didn't have. Like you said, you started um, ceramics like quite early. Like yeah. we had we had like a museum that had programming, but we never had it as an option um, in school or anything like that um it's very small so um yeah do you want to talk about how integral that like connection in that moment was for you or talk a little bit more about it yeah it it definitely it was huge i felt um yeah i think i'm sure plenty other artists can relate to just being very shy at a young age and i felt like i just like had like crippling shyness growing up and so i felt that i could do something that just made me feel really comfortable and the ceramics, we had a really amazing, I was really lucky to have a really wonderful ceramic um, high school teacher, Beth Cedarstrom. <laughs> and she and her sister was the painting teacher. And so my brother was in the painting class and I was in the ceramics class and both art rooms were like a very social place. And so I felt like I could just, you know, make my sculptures work on the wheel and it made me feel like safe. And then it also was kind of this communal environment um, so yeah, it was, it was where really... you could talk or not. Yeah, exactly. You just kind of like felt comfortable doing whatever. Yeah. Um, it is so funny how comfortable it can feel for youth. And I, and I want to express like the importance. Well, most of my listeners are artists, but so we all know, but it creates such a safe haven and an outlet. Like they've fallen to the wayside, um, especially with budget cuts and all the creative outlets have, they're like, oh, they're not important. And they're the most important thing for young people. Like they're where you can find that like extra sense of self. And and when when you find it, you become (laughs) more confident because there's something for you and there's something for you to connect with. And and it's it's like I kind of accident. Well, I knew as an individual creative, but I accidentally stumbled upon it working with my children. Like how freeing and how confident and how much fun they had. And and now I see it working with you know teens at a, such an awkward stage, and they just um, feel so at home there. When- <laughs> One girl wasn't even, she took off her pants. I was like, no, pants, pants are not. She had like volleyball shorts on underneath, but I was like, pants aren't optional in Art Academy. <laughs> like We're they're not that open. They're maybe too comfortable, actually. <laughs> We're going to take pictures out of the, we made like a big painting together. 
And so they all came to my studio and like squirted paint on it all at once. And then they left and I was like, I don't know what that was for. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, just kissed away my bucket of paint. <laughs> but it was fine. I was like, this is fun. And then it ended up being really beautiful. And so I got, I stretched it and framed it and now it like forever hangs in the school. So they were really proud of it. It was, it was huge. So it just, it's, yeah, I'm glad to hear that you had that opportunity at such a young age because probably those sisters were the reason that program was so strong. I think, I think so. And it was just like a public school. I feel like I really lucked out. And my brother is also an artist too. And so, yeah, it was like a very special experience. <laughs> oh, wow. So he, he, so you're both involved in the art world? We are. Yeah. Our, it's funny because my mom was always like really supportive in high school. And then my brother and I both declared art. And I also being the oldest one, I felt like I was responsible. And I was like, I'll do science too, like soothe your fears. <laughs> um, and then after college, when we were both like, all right, we're, this is going to be our profession. <laughs> I think that's when our parents were like, oh dear, what did we do? Um, yeah. But now I, I'm 34 and my brother's 32. So I think now that we're a bit more established, it's different. Um, but yeah, yeah, we both are. Yeah, whenever little kids say, um, I want to be an artist just like you, the parents are like. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I feel like if I ever have kids, I think like, if you want to be an artist, like you are going to work your ass off. <laughs> like, yeah. You can do it, but. <laughs> you have to be so motivated, like self-motivated. Like it doesn't, it's not for sissies, that's for sure. Like, yeah. It takes showing up every day and like more extra. yeah it definitely does and i feel like that i don't know this maybe is going on a little bit of a tangent but in my like online dating life i feel like a lot of people really romanticize you know an artist and the lifestyle and yeah it's just a lot it, like it, it is such a gift to be able to do what we love every day but on the other hand like they're yeah, it's a very, you have to be, work very hard and be very dedicated. <laughs> and there's not really days off, like, at all. Yeah. yeah. Every window of time. I mean, um, you don't have kids or anything, right? I do not know. I have no. a puppy, but that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a puppy is like a kid. Um, <laughs> so much. Um, a baby that never grows up. I know. And she definitely acts like a baby. I'm sure I placate that. <laughs> um, yeah. So like everyone, like it might look different in your schedule. Like you could probably actual, actually with no kids schedule time. But like for me, it's like juggling between two um, working full-time business owners. My husband runs a business and then I'm running my business and it's actual fucking chaos. Like, yeah. it's just like, oh, I have 15 minutes. I'll just, like, today when I was like, oh, sorry, wrong Jen. Are you coming? So sorry. And then yeah. you didn't answer oh. for a while. I stopped waiting. I was like, this is my window to finish this one, one customer work really quick. <laughs> like, there is no time wasted. And yeah, you're working all the time and your mind's always in it. Like, it's almost impossible to, to not think about, you know, all the stuff. I feel like if I had like a nine to, well, I have had nine to five jobs, but at the end of the day, I, I wasn't like, well, I better do this for the theater. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. Time. Like, no, there's no, it's because you want to, right? 
Definitely. I yeah, I feel like really like uncomfortable when I'm not work like when I'm not when I don't have something I'm excited about that I'm working on. It, I feel like sad. <laughs> yeah, it's you need that focus and those goals and the drive. But again, all self-motivated. Um for you, how do you work? Do you work on multiple pieces at once or in collections or do you work on one piece at a time? Um I th think for clay and painting it is different because I do try and fill a kiln. I have like a smaller kiln and a larger. Um, so for clay, I work in, you know, like groups, collections, Matches. bodies of work. Yeah. Um, and then for painting, I find it's easier to work out one at a time. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, that's, that's funny that you don't like take that same like process and like translate it into painting, like working in yeah, collections or batches. I think, well, I'll work in like a body of work with painting, but um, mm. I'll like start one and then finish it. But that is an interesting idea. Maybe you'll inspire me to switch it up. Put I up think a few you should try. <laughs> The reason I like it so much is because if you're stuck on the one piece, you're not stuck and, and, and not standing still. I mean, it's different if you're working in two mediums. So like probably if you get stuck, you just go to the other one. <laughs> but um, as far as painting, like there's three behind me right now and then um, some on the table. And in university, I, I actually started doing this um, and it was like an aha moment sort of thing. Um, oh, I wish I could remember the I'm like clearly bad with names because I effed up our podcast today. No, it's <laughs> Oh, Mark. Mark, uh, ah, he was a professor at NASCAD and he was my studio professor or whatever. And I, I was stuck on a painting for like a month, which is way too long. Like that's too much time. And I showed up. I was still in the studio. I was just doing nothing, which I'm a busybody. And, and so that wasn't like normal for me. I could not get past it. And he's like, next week when I come here, I want six paintings on the wall. And I was like, that is ridiculous. But I'm so type A. That I was like, all right. And, and it like broke out into this whole collection, which ended up being my grad show. And um, that. like that was the moment where like that has been my way of working ever since. And yeah. um, were they all the same size? No, there was like three big ones and there was like in the end there was like 11 or 12 or something um lots on paper like I love have you ever worked on paper have you ever thought about that yeah I do a lot of watercolors um to and that will be like the start of a painting yeah yes there's something so freeing about like that uninhibited especially with watercolor expression yeah. Yeah. I agree. I feel like it's nice to like flush out ideas and be like, all right, I feel this one sticks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you combine your painting with like, not just ca on canvases. The ones I checked out today, I think you were standing by these two like amazing, I don't want to call them tables. They're probably called they are tables. They're okay. my lady tables. They're it's my like glass ceiling lady tables. <laughs> yeah. So funny. And then you had a painting too. Mm -hmm. What was that opening for? That was my first solo show um, that I had this year in March um, at Dinner Gallery in New York. Oh, how did it go? It went well. Um, yeah, I think it was really good experience. I learned so much. <laughs> I feel like um, 
I think something I'm kind of realizing, like the more my career grows is just how similar art is to not to like, um, not, you know, de-romanticize it or whatever, but similar to business where I was like, oh, I like need a production schedule and like deadlines and um, I need to make this for myself and I need to hit those deadlines. <laughs> um, it is very business. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I did that loosely for this show, but I felt like it was a very good learning lesson to be like, you know, and for the next one, I'm going to even be more detailed with my production schedule and deadlines and meeting those because um, they're yeah, there's definitely just scrambling at the end, which was frustrating and stressful. <laughs> yeah, I think no matter how much you prepare, openings are always like, uh, in, they're so stressful. <laughs> like, they are, and it's, I felt, it feels very similar to kind of putting your journal on view or something where you're like, okay, this is the work I've created and I'm proud of it, but it's also my inner thoughts and ideas and concepts, so. <laughs> mm -hmm. I had Kevin, <laughs> yeah, I had Kevin Lido on and he's a big muralist and he, that's kind of why he went into, well, it kind of organically happened, went into murals, but he just like couldn't handle the whole, you know, make the body of work and then show with the gallery and then not really coming out of it, you know, so on top and it was years and years and years so he like he his mural his work is incredible so i'm sure like one day he will transition back and he still does studio in the winter because in canada like well even in the states the mural festivals are more like spring summer right so um oh i had a question for you about um oh yeah business um, the, did you learn business in when, was that like a thing when you were in art school? No. <laughs> Isn't and that I, insane? I still remember. Um, and I, I think to be fair, like I've thought about this a lot over the years. I graduated a bit over three years ago from grad school. And I remember in an art history class, I can't remember what we were learning, but like it felt like we were on a discussion, which felt um, safe to kind of like spark the question of like, what's next like you know as our professor like what is you know can we talk about like future opportunities and i think just like so many art professors just they're training other art professors um and so i i think there's just it's not that i would imagine they don't want to teach kind of the professionalism and how to be a professional artist it's more of a like lack of knowledge <laughs> is my theory and maybe that's controversial um but no, we didn't learn anything. I went to University of Notre Dame and it was very um, like heavy on the academics, which I think really has helped me overall. Um, and I, I loved that it was like a very like research heavy school, but definitely since graduating, there's been a ton of just like self-education on different things. And I think that's something I really um, think about now in my practice is how to really think outside of the box. And I love working with galleries. I think it's, you know, a really wonderful opportunity to um, collaborate together in a partnership and, mm -hmm. you know, present like your best work and whatnot. But I also, I just don't know how sustainable, at least for the galleries I'm working at this point with my career is. So I also will do, you know, smaller work releases from the studio and online and commissions and a bit of teaching. And so I think, yeah, that's something I guess if any younger artists are listening, I would just 
say, um, you know, similar to galleries and museums that have an amalgamation of income streams is you're still like, you are a successful artist with those different forms of income streams. And I think there is a little bit of a stigma of like, unless you sell exclusively through galleries, like you're not a real artist. And maybe that's just my own weird programming I received somewhere. No, I feel <laughs> that entirely. And I bet there's a lot of people nodding along like, yes, <laughs> thank you. There is a stigma around it. And it was in art school. I will confirm it. And I've confirmed it with many artists and it's kind of like the the example I gave with the painting being stuck on the painting and then the when my practice started to thrive and I was stuck on that painting and stuck on the stigma of we can only make art through selling through galleries and this one way was I was drowning and as soon as I opened up and this came with like meeting community and and um, finally finding my community and meeting other multifaceted female uh, creatives and seeing how they were thriving and and succeeding in business and but still showing through galleries and exhibiting and being successful in so many different ways um, and I wish they would <laughs> communicate that to students in school because it ta it takes a while to learn on your own, right? Absolutely, yeah. Sorry, can you hear my family? I can't. No, yeah. oh, thank goodness, great. <laughs> I just heard it. Don't hit me. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> which they love to disrupt my podcast. It's amazing. Real life. Um, it is real life. Um, I didn't even know anyone was down here, which is good. Okay. Um, yeah. So I just, I want to express and I want to express the importance that it is okay. And, and you've, you've accepted it. And I don't know if it took you a while, but like, here's everyone's permission slip to like, try out stuff. And we have we have another podcast um, with Shannon, Amy, and she talks about like an income pie and like all the things so artists yeah. can do. And yeah. everyone's all the cool kids are doing it. Uh, like, I just I and I also you know. feel like it's helped my work a lot to just have think outside the box and kind of you know let go of these chains that say like in order to be a real artist you have to do one thing um but I think just having a variety of different income streams like my work has gotten better I'm you know less stressed and um yeah it feels like freeing and and liberating and I feel like I can then have more mental energy to focus on the work I want to create oh you're so right it is really liberating there's something so powerful about it like uh you know especially when there's there's a thing about like there's like a weren't we about being an educator right and so i always avoided like falling under that category and then i realized that it's quite empowering too um and that happened i was a part of a thrive like a pod like a female art group pod 
And I was telling my group how much I loved mentorship. And yeah. most of them were teaching on the side of their practices at universities. And they're like, well, that's uh, teaching, Brandy. And I was like, no, it's like mentorship. And it's so fun. And they're like, well, I, I love mentorship, too. I taught um, middle school and high school just part time. I was like a teaching artist in between college and high school. And then when I was in grad school, we taught the undergrads. And that, like the you know, teaching the craft is fine, whatever. But that's the part that I really love is like the, the mentoring. Um, and just cause I, and especially for younger women, I, I do just feel so much of this confidence. It's like, at least for me, that was like a big struggle. And I like saw that in my students of, um, just kind of needing these, I didn't, most of my professors and maybe it's cause I've always been a sculpture, um, ceramics and sculpture have been men. And so I think there is, there was a limiting belief I grew up of, of you know, I don't really see myself <laughs> in any of these um, mentor figures. And that's something I've been thinking about too recently of how exciting it is that it does feel like there's a really, um, just so many amazing female artists today. <laughs> there is. And I mean, that comes with, you know, the growth of social media and, um, we're around the same age. I'm 36. Um, but I didn't uh, get my MFA, uh, because it would have taken me moving out of my small place and away from family. And it wasn't going <laughs> to happen because there was no place for me. Like, even if I had my MFA, like there was no, there's no university here or anything. And I just wrote a university transfer course somehow. <laughs> So for uh, an institution and I have my BFA. So somehow they were got to work around. So I'm like, I really don't need my MFA. No, you don't. Not <laughs> because <at all. laughs> my years of experience and, you know, self-learning and um, just being out there with social media was, is my resume. Right. Um, but I felt like I was like wandering through a desert. And as soon as like the, you know, like Art Girl Rising and all these things and the Art Queens and all these groups came out and it was just like, yes, it was like a, an island in a desert and there was so much water and friends. And, Definitely. Right? Like, yeah. it's so beautiful. And you know, because like uh, exhibiting with Alicia, like what a beautiful group of supportive, empowering women. Do you want to um, talk about your experience with them? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I, um, so when I first joined the Art Queens, I was still on the, I'm going to, you know, take the first visiting professorship I get and um, just, you know, move around to different teaching gigs throughout the country. And I was doing a the like year plus fellowship at Wazaic. And so that was kind of my plan. I graduated from grad school, doing my fellowship, then I was going to be a professor. Um, <laughs> and, and then, um, yeah, I think it was like so many serendipitous things happened. I posted something on social media and someone reached out to buy it. And I think I was like, I don't, you can do that. Oh no! <laughs> and so, yeah, maybe I'm like kind of late to the, you know, selling your own art and um, the internet, but it just, it felt so exciting. And so then I started um, doing more of that and kind of like piecing together different incomes. And I think just the pandemic, like people 
being online a lot um, and then being in the Art Queens, this like supportive group of very like business-minded, empowering female artists. Um, I, it just gave me, I started thinking outside the box and I was like, oh, maybe I don't have to, you know, I can like choose where I live and I don't have to go back to the Midwest to be a professor or whatnot. Um, so yeah, and I've always been like very, I don't know, it's, it's kind of nerdy, but I like have always tracked like every like penny I spend and make. And so I've always been pretty good at kind of just managing my money. And so good <laughs> to be nerdy. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I've, I have enough. That's what like, but for honestly, it's worked out. I like, and if something's off, I'm like, I feel like this is off. And then I go and find it. So I'm just like, not super um brains work differently and that's okay so if that's my intuitive <laughs> uh, money self is good that is good too but that's a good way to be nerdy and <laughs> i just need to hire more people who are super nerdy about it too so they can help me out um which i have i do have my ad woman kelsey she's like oh i just love seeing the stats and the numbers i was like Ooh. no i like i feel like such an intuitive person like i'm a pisces i like make all life decision based on feeling but when it's something about like i don't know i think i i grew up with a lot of scarcity and so i think when it comes to money i'm like i'm gonna be on top of it <laughs> yeah oh i definitely we were poor uh so but again the intuition is worse thus far Definitely. So, um, whatever works for you. Uh, I do have to wrap up, Let every, which I'm so sad about. I feel like I could talk to you much longer, um, but I have an appointment and another podcast today. It's like one of those insane, and I have to go to the framing store and the post office, and one of those crazy artist days where at the end of the day, you're like, oh my gosh. Slash so, <laughs> motherhood. Slash motherhood in there everywhere in between and all night. Um, it was super nice meeting you. Where can everyone find you? Um, so you can find me on my Instagram, Jen underscore Dwyer underscore. Um, and I also wanted to share that I am releasing my first kind of course that is basically about thinking outside the box, thriving creatives. Um, Amazing. It's, it's gonna be the first time I'm doing it. I'm really thrilled, but that is like the ethos of it is really like mentoring other female artists to really think outside the box. Um, so it's going to be uh, four months long, eight weeks, and uh, we're going to start releasing it on December 15th is going to be the pre-sale. And then it closes on December 30th for the Oh my gosh. Everyone has to do that. <laughs> it's the beginning of January. So I'm really excited and I'll post more about it, but it's, it, yeah. So, Everyone check Jen out and um, find that and sign up if you can, because the there's just so much value in someone who's either done it or doing it. And seeing how they don't teach it in art school, you have to join. Like that's, that's why we're thriving. Those are the reasons is joining masterminds and groups. And yes, it does cost money, um, but it's an investment in yourself, in your career, in your practice. And um, it's, it's a good one. You just have to take those leaps to move forward. Uh, so I hope you get a, you will get a big, nice group and uh, it'll be beautiful, I'm sure. And thank you for, you know, coming on, even though 
I know Seriously. this is amazing. So nice to connect with you. I feel like I'm just in my studio all the time. So it's such a treat. <laughs> it is. It's like a nice little visit, like break with a friend. So Definitely. I hope anyway. Absolutely. Hope that that way. <laughs> okay. We'll keep in touch and we'll talk to you soon, Jen. Okay. Thanks so much, Brandy. Bye. Thank you for listening, friends. I sure do appreciate your time. Um, This was a really fun one, and I hope you took away a lot from it and you were inspired to um, take those next steps and um, overcome the fear and let go of the stereotypes that were holding you back before. Um, Again, you can get our workbook at brandyhoford.ca. which I will actually find the actual link um, um, for you. And because actually, you know what? Another thing about growing in fear is when I had initially uh, three or four years ago, there I am with time again, when I initially wanted to grow, I had to invest in um, someone else creating my website for me, designing it for me, because um, my website design skills are limited. Um, so at the time, for me, it was like an insane amount of money. And I was like, Ooh. but my friend who runs this really successful business, she was like, this is my girl. She's amazing. She'll do it in a week. She's the best. And she did, and she did it so fast. And it was amazing. However, at that time, I, um, I, at, sorry, I'm clicking on my computer also while I'm talking to you. Um, at that time, I was only selling artwork and custom artwork. So, uh, my website was only set up for like a little bit of mentorships, a mentorship, um, some classes if I was to make them, and but mostly just selling artwork. So it was like very kind of straightforward, but beyond anything I could make. And now I'm at a point where we have the podcast and we have my new book and we have... Um, our community and the sketchbook project and my BHA gallery and call for arts and workbooks and so many freaking things. And my website is no longer serving me. So there was that fear again about like, oh my gosh, I, this isn't working. And actually I'm super obsessed with Jenna Kutcher right now. I love her podcast. Uh, especially for business. And she is also a parent and, and like grew her business very small to like an insane amount. Um, so her knowledge is amazing and I love listening to it. And there are so many good things that she says. And now I'd like to know what that was that she said. I just started bragging her up and I forgot what I was talking about. Amazing. Um, any, oh, I know what she says. I'm here. Got it. Got it, friend. Okay. So what she said is, especially because I don't have a storefront, I can't, I, I do, I have galleries. I'm in like six different galleries. And in fact, my sister has this amazing hot yoga studio where she showcases my work only. And we have openings there because it's the most beautiful. It's Oasis. It's called Oasis. If you're local, you'll know what I'm talking about. It is the most beautiful space you've ever been in I mean it's called Oasis so that makes sense (laughs) it's full of like greenery and 
good feelings and it's warm and it's the best place ever and she has allowed me the luxury of selling my work out of her business so I do kind of have a storefront but not really like if we're really talking about all the things I offer my website is my home and Jenna talked about specifically did an episode on websites and in fact I will bring my friend on here to talk about websites with you guys because it's such a big big thing and I will be in the throes of it in the next few weeks so I will be obsessed with talking about it so stay tuned for C is actually she has live learn dream so I'll have her on again and she is like she's a reason I started on YouTube and she's the reason I started my community and everything like she's like you're doing a book you need this and that and like all her advice I couldn't do a website at the time. This was a discovery call with her and I couldn't do a website at the time because I just paid to get one and it was to sell art. And honestly, all the things she was talking about after what I had already just gone through um, with the like transitioning to just selling art to doing all the other things, I hadn't done the things yet. So like the income wasn't rolling in the all like the art academy was two years away from being if they were going to do it or not and all this stuff and I was like I just have to be patient and finally I've hit a point where I could do it and I could take that brave leap and say yes I can I can invest in myself and invest in my home so Jenna talks about it your website especially if you don't have a storefront is your home your it's where you welcome your guests it's where you treat them to snacks it's where you chat on the couch and your website has to reflect who you are and my website has served me it's still serving me i'm sure you've been on it um and it does what it needs to do except just like me it's like a creative mess (laughs) if i look around my studio right now it's an effing mess and that's what my website looks like because I'm not a website designer or anything and I've taken what someone gave me and made it into my own and it's a little confusing um, with like communicating to my audience what they want Um, and sometimes I link up the wrong things so like last week in my email newsletter I was like oh the portrait class will be the perfect unique Christmas gift you can like get some art supplies and wrap them as the like physical gift and then the portrait class could be the gift for someone creative in your life because it's for any level and it's so cute and then I linked it to our summer dream sweater that is an example of why I need to hire someone (laughs) to take all those things over and make them better Um, which is my next big leap is to have uh, people who can do things better than I can do them that is a very uh, good example because I not only that I don't want to I have enough literal shit happening in my life that I don't want to do that so I'm so excited for C to um, from Live, Learn, Dream to take that over and finally I pulled off the stuff she said I needed to do and I'm ready for her to like overhaul and make it even more beautiful and you'll see it in a few months and you'll see what I'm saying <laughs> so um, 
Uh, speaking, not speaking of anything, I'm just moving on to a different topic. I'd like to thank our sponsors. Um, and I love the Nouveau Laser and Aesthetic Center because they make me feel better in my own skin. Um, and not only that, but they're the reason I have enough energy as like a mother, um, to, I'm taking better care of myself. And I know it's just a laser clinic, but her advice was what led me on the path to, um, what did she say? She said, what you're, you're consuming is, is showing on your body. Um, and so I'm working to repair my like gut and all that stuff because of her. It took me on the path of a naturopath. And um, we will actually be talking about that either next episode or the next one. We meet with the founder of the uh, Beauty from Bees, which is crazy. So she was, a, she was also a stay-at-home mom who just wanted... Uh, safe products for her kids and now it's like an insane huge business and she's so passionate about it uh so stay tuned for michelle from beauty from bees who will be on soon um so vanessa gave me a big list of myths and facts about uh skin care and i love them because they're just so interesting to me because i'm a total dork when it comes to that and i can go down a rabbit hole so myth a good esthetician can cure your acne and this is exactly what i'm talking about i went there for acne um there is no cure for acne but finding the trigger for your inflammation is the best way to take your acne into remission and also keep up with a healthy skincare routine along with dietary supplementation where needed um will provide your skin with the defense it needs okay so i went from like having like uh, hormonal breakouts, like the odd uh, zit to like after and during my last pregnancy, like full on, no second pregnancy. It was the second one. God, time blurs together when you have multiple children. Um, So much acne that I had so much scarring and that's why I went in to see them to take care of the scarring. But she's like, it just keeps reoccurring. So we're just putting a bandaid on a bullet hole here and you need to do something further so you don't get more. And here's one thing I can't do and that is eat gluten or dairy. And I accidentally put his bagel. I made gluten-free ones and then I made uh, the kids some normal ones because... Um, that's just what I did. They were pizza bagels. And so I made mine with like uh, goat cheese because my body can take goat cheese. And so I, they looked the same basically. And I was texting with my good friend, um, Kristen Hickman, who's a photographer and she does all my course editing. And I was like, Kristen, we need to get started on our uh, custom artwork uh, class and I was like so into it and I ate the bagel that was sitting in front of me. Teddy had moved his bagel because he is obsessed with being around me. He sleeps with me. He eats with me. He does yoga with me and won't leave me alone at all. He's three. And I ate his bagel and I was like, God, that was delicious. And then before it like clicked into my brain, I, because I was doing the thing that you shouldn't do. I was mindlessly eating and I ate a gluteny bagel, which I haven't eaten gluten in. I have gotten body rashes from gluten um, for since my, and these things can shift with your hormones. Isn't it nice being a woman? Um, these things can shift with your hormones and stuff and or re- 
or occur in your 30s. So it's not like something you were necessarily born with. But um, gluten intolerances can happen at that stage in our lives. And it did. So I've been like six years gluten free. So I ate the fucking bagel. And I was like, surely my gut is all healed up. And it'll be fine. And nothing will happen. I have a neck and face rash. And acne all over. And it fucking sucks. And it was like, obviously, I'm not going to go throw up or anything because I think that's not a solution to stuff that happens. But it sucked. Um, so I don't even know what the conclusion to my story, but I'm really grateful for to know that I know at least I know what causes everything. The neck and face rash are brand new rashes, by the way, and they're still here and it's five days later. Um, it doesn't feel good. So I know like taking care of your skin uh, can make you feel and show up as the person you want to be. And I know it's important for self-esteem. Um, yeah. So again, thank you to our sponsors. We couldn't do this without you. Um, They are local and they are amazing and they are fierce females that I admire. And that is Vanessa and her team at Nouveau Laser and Aesthetic Center and Jill Kelly, the founder of Red Bicycle Communications, all supportive and all community-minded businesses. And I'm so honored that they chose to support our Color Me Happy podcast and community. And thank you, my friend, for your continued support and being here. It has meant the absolute world. And yeah, join our free community if you're not a part of it already. Um, Or and or subscribe to our newsletter. Oh, was I getting a link? I was. Look at my mind. Okay, uh, I'll put it in the notes so you don't have to memorize this, but if you're like not in a way to look at them, it's brandyhofer.ca slash shop slash P? What? Slash diversify your income workbook. That's way too hard to remember. I will put it in the links for you uh, and I'll put it in the community. Stay tuned for more. I am so excited about everything, obviously, because I'm obsessed with talking about everything all the time and I can't stop. Oh my gosh, I saw, I can't even stop talking to you right now. I saw someone in the grocery store, like customer service lineup, and he asked me like one question about what I did and I like talked for five minutes. He's like, I can tell you're very passionate what you do and I was like yeah telling total strangers at the grocery store my life story and how much I love it so obviously grateful and uh, yes thank you <laughs> thank you for letting me do what I do it's your support that has gotten me here if you're looking for some time for yourself to relax release and unwind Oasis has the perfect space for you They offer yoga and spin classes of all levels. Whether you are a beginner or advanced student, Oasis thrives on accommodating all aspects of the practice. Let their serene environment and gracious staff help you in your journey of peace, healing, and strength. Sign up online at www.oasishotyogastudio.com or by downloading the Oasis Hot Yoga Studio app. Feel like yourself. You deserve it.